Good afternoon. It is Friday, August 3rd. I cannot believe that it's August already. This is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. And we have a very, very interesting topic today. And I know some may be daunted by the topic of investment. I actually find it not only fascinating, but just a lot of fun. And we have got a wonderful guest today. Uh, that I can't wait to introduce you to. And and she is with an organization called The Motley Fool. And I remember when The Motley Fool first came on the scene. And uh, I just, I always wanted to be inside at The Motley Fool. So our guest today is going to tell us what it's like to be on the inside. And her book is called Warren Buffett, Invest Like a Girl. And the tagline is, and why you should too. Luann, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it is just so exciting. And again, I, I didn't do a proper introduction. Our guest today is Luann Lofton, and her book focuses on the eight essential principles that every investor needs to create a profitable portfolio. So, Luann, tell me a little bit about life before The Motley Fool. Oh, sure. Well, I uh, I grew up in a very tiny little town in South Mississippi, <laughs> Uh, the kind well, of place you sh- where you shook the uh, you shook the accent pretty strong. <laughs> I know I, I, it's sad. If I talk to my mom, it comes back. But <laughs> I lived in the DC <laughs> well, you sound area. like a Midwesterner. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in DC for about um, the DC area for about ten years with the Motley Fool. So I think I lost it then. But you no, know, I grew up in um, a really tiny little place with. Literally three stoplights when I was growing up there, and now they're they're down sadly to one stoplight and two four way stops. I mean, just a bump in the road for sure. Um, and yeah, I didn't grow up learning about investing. It wasn't something that my family talked about. My dad was a pharmacist, and my mom was a writer, <laughs> is a writer. Uh, right. So that that's where I, I'm pretty sure apple tree, etc. <laughs> um, but I. Uh, Unfortunately, I I kind of had to confront the topic of investing um, before I I really ever had even expected to because my father passed away when I was 14. Um, And and so when I was out of high school, I I realized that I was going to be getting an inheritance. And, you know, it wasn't a ton of money. It wasn't anything that was going to let me retire into a life of leisure and this and that, but... Um, I was very concerned with doing the right thing with that and not letting that opportunity go to waste. Um, and, and so I was fresh out of high school. I knew in a couple of years when I turned 21 I was going to be getting this, so I just decided, oh, well, I guess I just need to learn about investing. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, something I had never been interested in, uh, something that never really had been talked about, but I, it was really necessity that drove me to do that. And, so I started reading about all these books, um, you know, all these topics in investing, and I stumbled after many kind of false starts and things that seemed complicated and scary to me. I stumbled upon a biography of this guy, Warren Buffett, who I had never heard of. Um, and so this would have been back in, like, 95, and Buffett was getting, starting to become more famous. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he was still kind of not yet in fully in the public eye, uh, and, and the biography, which I still, um, you know, I love to have a big copy of here, is uh, by this guy, Andrew Kilpatrick, who lives in Alabama. And it, he was really the first Buffett biographer, and his book's called Of Permanent Value. 
um, which I'll just jump forward briefly and say later on when I would end up writing my book, um, Andy, who's just a really lovely gentleman, wrote me a blurb um, for my book after reading it. Oh. So it was just a weird <laughs> full circle thing. Uh, but I, you know, I stumbled across his book, learned about Buffett, really connected with Buffett's story, both uh, kind of all shucks, <laughs> Midwest, um, small town, <laughs> Omaha guy that he actually really is. Um, but then more importantly with his investing style, you know, Buffett doesn't buy things he doesn't understand. When he's investing in a stock, he realizes he's buying ownership in a company and he intends to hold that preferably forever. That's what he says his favorite holding period is. But but certainly longer than these day traders, these, you know, jumping in and out of stocks and things like that. That's what had seemed so scary to me. But when I read about Buffett, I thought, well, golly, he's done pretty good <laughs> with right. his, his investing style. And it seemed approachable to me. And and that was when I turned 21 and got the money. That was how I invested it. Things I understood, companies I believed in, stocks I intended to hold for hopefully the rest of my life. And then a few years later, I discovered The Motley Fool and um, connected with them as well, uh, you know, in the same um, just kind of emotional sense, really, first, and that they stand up for the little guy. They really believe that um, that we all have the power within ourselves to take control of our financial futures and um, and that it's incumbent up us, on us to do so. And um, from then on, I mean, here we are. I started working at the Motley Fool, moved to D.C., worked there in beginning in January of 2000 as a writer and uh, we pitched the idea for this book in the summer of 2007, um, and it came out, you know, last year. And, and so it's it's just a path. Life is like that, I guess. You never quite know. <laughs> it is. The well, twist for those and who turn. aren't familiar with the Motley Fool, it was founded in 1993 in Alexandria, Virginia, by uh, mm-hmm. David and Tom Gartner. And you know, I remember when I first saw the company name you know I thought wow you know that that's a really bold name for someone to apply to the investment community but the company's name was taken from Shakespeare you know who's wise fools both instructed and amused and could speak the truth to the king without getting their heads lopped off and and that is just you know if we could just live like that and and be willing to speak the truth I think you know so much in life would be easier and, uh, you know, again, I, I love what you say about Warren Buffett, you know, really believing in what what he invests in and, you know, standing up for the little guy is, is I think, something that uh, even though he's a very big guy, uh, I, I still <laughs> believes in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he really does. Uh, he, he believes in a level playing field for all investors and that's one really um, you know, kind of stringent principle that they have at Berkshire Hathaway at, at his company is, you know, no no one um, is at the head of the line as far as getting information from them. Everyone gets it at the same time, and um, and it used to not be that way on Wall Street. I mean, that that is a pretty recent development. Yeah. Um, you know, the information used to go to the <laughs> the people at the top first, but luckily now um, we're still working on it. We have a ways to go, but yeah, I love that about Buffett. He always he really does stand up for the little guy. So tell us, um, you know, you. You had obviously followed uh, Warren Buffett, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you know, reading that book early on, and, and he clearly made an impact on you. But taking that and getting to the place where you decide to publish a book um, is is a whole nother uh, thing. And, and I know that you uh, had Tom um, 
you know, write your forward for you, and, and clearly you had the Motley Fool platform that you could leverage, uh, you know, putting their brand on the book, which uh, would uh, help substantially, I'm sure, in marketing it. Yes. But, but tell us about that journey. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what what's interesting at the Motley Fool is we really um, – we have a great community of investors on our discussion boards, and uh, and there's a real culture of learning and support within the company itself. Uh, you know, it's just fascinating. I'm, you know, I still consider myself a self-taught investor, um, and that learning did not stop once I started working there. It really accelerated, and so we would see these discussions, or we would have these discussions around the office, or we would see them on our message boards about, um, you know, the differences that were coming out about how men invest and how women invest. And there were some differences. And the first study came out in 2001, um, and I, I love it <laughs> because it's called Boys Will Be Boys, um, which showed that men traded a whole lot more, that they were more overconfident, that women tended right. to trade less, um, to take less risk. And so that study first came out, and then we saw others coming out as well. And when we kind of put the pieces together, uh, again, just in kind of talking about it around the office was, huh, you know, this this looks familiar. This this picture that we're seeing of this ideal investor who happens to be a woman, I would say, <laughs> um, right. really reminds us of somebody. And uh, and that person really was Warren Buffett when we looked at the traits. Um, and, and then one other point on it, which uh, you know helped with differentiating the book because let's be honest, there's certainly no um, dearth of <laughs> books out there or articles or coverage of Warren Buffett, but we we discovered that no one had ever written about temperament, um, the ability to control your emotions when it comes to investing. And Buffett has always said that it's temperament, not intellect, that will make you a great investor. There have been books trying to dissect how he analyzes companies or what he's looking for or discounted cash flow analysis, all this stuff. No one had ever actually explored what Buffett himself has long said is the most important key to be a successful investor, and that is temperament. So it was kind of that, that combination of here's a fun topic and um, and women should feel more empowered about investing. Maybe they just don't realize it yet. They are wired right. to be great long-term investors. And there's this aspect of Buffett that's just sitting out there waiting to be explored. And um, so it really just it all came together. And I love our title. I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it caused right. a lot of debate, you know. <laughs> People react strongly to it, good and bad. But uh, I think it's helped um, advance, you know, advance the topic for for men and women. I mean, the book's for everybody, but it does, certainly it's meant to spur women. Well, and, you know, Luann, as you were talking uh, through uh, just the whole discussion about temperament and and that women are wired to be long-term investors, I mean, I think – about uh my my own situation and and you know I'm I'm 50 something and have um become <clears throat> excuse me but become much more of a risk taker later in life and uh have started investing in companies and uh a lot with my own time but but certainly also with with my uh my financial resources and you know rolled the dice on a big one a few years ago and lost it all and uh mm-hmm. you know and I'm not talking about the stock market I'm talking about you know actually you know founding companies and raising money sure, and, sure. and uh, you know trying to bring that to fruition and I think about that comment about temperament um actually applies to us in everything that we do right oh, and, sure, and yes. being in things 
whether it's a relationship or a job or a career or with a new business venture, you really do have to be in it for the long term because the day-to-day ups and downs of life and of business are not unlike the NASDAQ. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that that is absolutely a great point. And, you know, if you let yourself get sucked in, like you're saying, whether it's something in your day-to-day life or whether, I mean, if you're glued to CNBC every single day and that's all you can do is obsess about mm-hmm. your portfolio, what what way is that to live, you know? I mean, uh, right. <laughs> that's, and you're probably going to freak yourself out and, and cause yourself to make some bad decisions. And like I said earlier, I mean, I certainly never, ever imagined. Uh, I always wanted to write. I always wanted to write books. I never imagined I'd write a book about Warren Buffett. It's only really? with hindsight, with looking back over the long view to see how everything connected that, um, that I find that little thread. And so, yeah, I think it's critical to be able to control the panic, control your emotions, Exactly. Um, and think long term. Remember, remember that we have uh, we have years to go. Hopefully, in both the investing game and in other aspects of our lives as well. Right, and you know, I, I think that paints a, a really, really wonderful picture if you think about it visually. If if you're looking too close to where you are, and you're uncomfortable, uh, you know, from whatever perspective it is if you can shift your vision out to the horizon just like you know when you're on a boat and and it's getting tossed around if you can put your eye on the horizon you know your stomach will settle you know you'll you'll just be able to be more calm about getting out of whatever situation you're in so I, i i love uh you know clearly the the parallel between investing and life and i think even for those listeners that we have who who don't venture into the stock market or uh, aren't the kind who who can go without a regular paycheck and take a chance on being part of a startup, um, you know, that these lessons can can still be applied to life. So let, let's move on to the, the next chapter, which is the science behind the girl. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in this chapter, we really, uh, you know, try to – um, look at all the studies that had been done up until the point of the book, and there's certainly been studies that now have come out since the book um, went to press, but about the differences between you know, how men invest and how women invest. And to just sum some of it up, uh, you know, studies show that women really tend to be patient rather than impulsive. We tend to be realistic rather than overconfident, uh, prudent rather than reckless. And like we were just talking about, we tend to think longer term. We take less risk. We generally view investing less as a game or a competition um, than men do. We do more research. We ask more questions. Right. You know, for men, a lot of times investing becomes uh, a way to keep score or a way to kind of assert dominance over one another. And um, studies show women, we just don't feel that way. We're much more um, just kind of down to earth about it and, and realize why we're doing it. It's not about uh, testosterone and trying to seem like the, the bigger guy compared to the guy next to us. We are just calmer. We think longer term. Uh, and so in that chapter, yeah, we summarize a lot of those, um, a lot of those studies. And there's some just great anecdotes in there, too, and, and examples. Um, for instance, Vanguard did a great study where they showed in the – depths of the panic in 2008 and the beginning of 2009. I mean, I'm sure we all remember that. Whether you're an investor or not, uh, that was a a scary time to be in the stock market. And, you know, whether you're in individual stocks or whether you have a 401K and mutual funds at work, but um, the study actually showed that men, much more than women, were likely to panic and freak out and sell everything at the bottom. 
um, right. in the fall of 2008, which is the worst thing you can do. They're locking in their gains. They're ensuring they won't participate in the recovery when it eventually comes. Whereas women, we were able to just take a deep breath, right. think, look to the horizon, think longer term, and not uh, do that to ourselves. And, and study after study shows that, which is, is really fascinating, um, I, I think, you know. And it, we always think of, um, or not me, of course, but some people would characterize women as more emotional sex. I would argue the exact opposite. At least when it comes to investing, men are far more emotional than women. Well, and I think, you know, your Chapter 5 kind of hones in on one of those uh, reasons, and, and Chapter 5 is reign in overconfidence. And, and I mm-hmm. never really thought about that competitive nature and the keeping score that you mentioned. And, you know, the, the previous chapter is actually, we've, we've already talked about it, so I skipped it. It's called Trade Less, Make More. And and that is counterintuitive. And as you said, this whole uh, kind of sport of day trading, um, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> when you think about, you know, how the stock market actually operates and financial cycles and, and uh, you know, even if you don't have a degree in economics, it doesn't take a, a rocket science. Uh, scientists to figure all of this out. But uh, tell us about the whole issue of reigning in overconfidence. Well, you know, what uh, what I, I found in the book when I was looking at the studies, again, that, that men just tended to be um, much more overconfident. I mean, they frankly, they just tended to think that they know more than they do. Um, and the example that I'll give, which is non-investing, which I think we can all relate to, uh, is, you know, if we've ever been in a car with a man, um, our brothers, our boyfriends, our husbands, it doesn't matter, and he's lost, uh, he, he's much less likely, I think, than we are to just stop and ask for directions or look, you know, stop right. and, and look on his phone or whatever. He just, no, I know the way. I know the way. Just hush. I know the way. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. And that that same overconfidence that irritates and frustrates us uh, in that arena comes into play when it comes to investing, too. He knows the way. He thinks he knows the way. And the way is to take a ton of risk, um, buy a bunch of stocks you don't know anything about, then freak out and sell them at the exact wrong time. Um, (laughs) So for women and for Warren Buffett, I'll add, the way we get around this is that we buy stocks and companies that we really understand. It's not enough for us to just get a, you know, hear a a ticker symbol on the golf course like it might be um, for someone else. We want to know, what does this company do? What are their products? Am I familiar with the products? Do I like what this company represents in the world? Do I like what they're doing? Um, and, And we realize that we're buying a piece of an actual company, not just some little blip on a computer screen somewhere. You know, I think people, it's a real disconnect for a lot of people, I think, um, that it's not just some (laughs) ephemeral four letters or three letters flashing on your screen or on your TV screen, but it is an actual company. It's, you know, it's Whole Foods, it's Starbucks, it's Chipotle, whatever. Um, When you own shares of a company, that is an enterprise that you are really, truly an owner of. Right, but putting names and faces on it is something that, you know, I think, uh, you know, certainly the media has helped us with that. And and whether it be, you know, a little company vignette on CNBC or, you know, whatever financial uh, channel you like mm-hmm. to watch, 
um, you know, it does help put names and faces with it. And, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that the other side of investing, you know, that I was talking about of, of you know, entrepreneurial ventures and, and mm-hmm. people putting, you know, everything that they have into building out an idea that they have. Um, you know, and certainly in both the venture capital world and, and in private equity, you have got uh, – you know, organizations that come in and they do look at the people. And, and in fact, many will say that, you know, we're not investing in the product or the concept, we're investing yeah. in the team. And and so doing that research and, and really getting to know the people is, is key. And <clears throat> I, I have spent the last 10 years of my life uh, as a resource to the investment community for the travel industry. And quite often, you know, we start the calls when when they will call and ask about advice about, you know, trends in the industry or what's going on with the online players. And we will talk about the leadership team first and foremost. And, you know, those companies that I like in the industry has way more to do with the character of their leadership team or perhaps even how many women they have because, uh, you know, we we know that companies with women in leadership and women on the board – they are more profitable. And, uh, yep. you know, so doing that research, uh, and I know that uh, I'm kind of going to lump a couple of chapters together here because uh, we are a little bit short on time, but Chapter 6 is about shunning risk. And mm-hmm. uh, Chapter 7 is focusing on the positives of pessimism, which is, you know, the whole issue of being more realistic and, and removing that emotion. And then, you know, Number 8 is researching extensively. And I think those three things all, all really hang together well because, um, you know, we we are an analytical being, and I, I know that, that men don't believe that, but um, <laughs> we uh, it's so funny because whenever my husband and I will uh, disagree about something, which fortunately doesn't happen very often, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm always the one accused of being emotional about it. And I think, no, you know what, I have spent so much time thinking this through. <laughs> yeah, You know, right. I've got all of the reasoning behind it, and you're just not wanting to listen. <laughs> so, you know, but it's that whole thing about men – actually being more impulsive and and um so t- talk to me about the risk averse piece because um as i mentioned i i grew up i never would have described risk taking to be a part of my profile of who i was but boy mm-hmm. have i found out that that is actually fundamental to who i am well certainly i mean you know i i uh I don't mean to say that, you know, no women take risks because obviously <laughs> there's great examples and, you know, of people taking risks and you, you do have to take some risk. I mean, that's that's an important aspect of investing and there's always going to be risk, always, no matter what company that you buy, no matter what business that you may start or anything, we know that there's going to be risk. But, you know, one thing that, um, that Buffett does and that female investors tend to do is just try to manage that risk better. Um, you know, a, a lot of, if we go back again to kind of what led up to the panic and the crisis in 2008, um, and, you know, obviously we're still reverberating through a lot of that stuff today, um, there was just just ridiculous amounts of risk being taken on Wall Street. Uh, you know, just the leverage at some of these firms, you just couldn't believe the amount of leverage that they had. Um, and, and what what we find is that women just tend to be, um, not necessarily that they don't take risk, but again, they just try to be more prudent about it. They try to think through um, what they're doing and really weigh it rather than just 
eschewing all long-term consequences and just going for it without thinking it through. It's not to say you, you shouldn't take risk, but I think um, female investors and Warren Buffett tend to manage it better, uh, you know, in all aspects of their lives. And it's, it's not always going to work out, <laughs> certainly. But, um, you know, one thing I think I would say, too, about women is that I, I think we could probably um, take more risk, frankly, when it comes to investing. And that's something that I saw when I was writing the book, and I've seen that lately, too, with even more studies that have come out that, that uh, female investors do tend to take less risk when they're investing than men. Um, but for reasons which I'll go into in just a second, it's really important that we get in the game, take more risk, start investing um, than we have been because because we do live longer than men do. Unfortunately, we make less money over our lifetime right. um, than men do. You know, one stat I, I've cited before, um, it's not in the book, but when I've you know talked about the book or given speeches or whatever is, um, it's completely shocking, and probably you guys have heard it, but, you know, by the time a woman retires, she will have lost out on $430,000, just attributable to the pay gap alone, um, half a million dollars. And we tend to go into retirement with our, you know, retirement accounts at half of what right. uh, men go into. And and so the only way to really overcome this hurdle <laughs> which we didn't cause, we didn't do anything. We we're just lucky enough to be born women, um, right. and then we have this facing us, is to start investing early, to embrace risk, not outsized risk, not crazy excessive risk, but to embrace some risk um, right. and understand that that's part of investing. Not every stock's going to be a winner. Not every business is going to be a winner. Um, but to really get in there because, the sad fact is it's very important for us to invest. It's, I would argue it's more important for us to get control of this stuff and invest and take care of ourselves um, than it is for men. Eighty percent of women are going to be the sole financial decider in their households at some point in their lives. Um, you know, so understand that. I don't mean to scare people with that stat, but, uh, you know, you're set up to be a great investor. Just by, That's another great thing. You were born a woman. You have a temperament that you should embrace and, and learn about investing and go with it. But um, we do tend to take less risk. I think I think we probably need to take a little bit more. It sounds like you're on the way there for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, I'm way there. <laughs> but, you know, I think the, the next couple of chapters uh, are also very, very important here. Ignoring peer pressure, learning from your mistakes, embracing your feminine influences. And, you know, I think number 12 is, is really the, the core, and, and this is uh, certainly the reflection of Warren Buffett's success, maintain consistent, persistent results. And you have to do that for the long term. Absolutely. You know, that's not something that you can do day trading. You can't have consistent, right. persistent results. I mean, it, it just it, it's, uh, you know, the complete opposite of that definition. So in, in the last few minutes that we have here, Luann, and, and I, you know, I could talk about this for a, a lot of hours, and I, I'm just, <laughs> I am so excited about having a copy of this book and being able to dig in. Uh, let me just uh, tell our listeners the, the rest of the chapter names, because I think, oh, sure. you know, Again, I think whether or not you consider yourself an investor, you have to invest in yourself. And and to your point about the the women retiring with four hundred thirty thousand dollars less, whether you invest in the stock market or whether you invest 
you know, in a venture or a friend's venture, you know, helping them mm-hmm. out in writing a business plan and taking a little bit of equity uh, for that. Um, the the next few chal- uh, chapters are value people in relationships, question the masters, act fairly and ethically, and then you, you end with foolish investing principles. So uh, I'd like you to just give us a little insight on that and then just what what uh, is is the one thing that you want our listeners to take away from the call today? Well, our... Um the, the foolish investing principles that, that that's a great chapter um almost to start with honestly if you're if you're not an investor so you're picking up the book and um and you've never bought a stock in your life because there what I really do is just summarize um the things that at the motley fool we just all tend to believe, and they are you know nothing shocking based on what you've heard here, but things like um when you're buying a stock, make sure that you're in it for the long haul and that you understand what you're doing but there's some real good information in there too about things like time horizons and um and by that I mean the the kind of years you have to invest um so if you're ten years away from retirement or you're five years away or you're twenty five years or you know lucky you if you're thirty years and you have all that time to invest and let compound interest work for you um that it you're gonna your investment profile is gonna look a little bit different, and there are things too um you know, we have some real some keys that we think about at the Motley Fool as far as don't invest money that you can't afford to lose. Um, and that sounds scary, but what I mean by that is if you have a kid going to college in two years or you're about to buy a house next year and um, you have a chunk of money that you're going to use for a down payment, don't put that money in the stock market. Only invest money in the market that you're not going to need for five, ten hopefully longer than that because right. over time the stock market will be your friend, but it will go through some terrible times in between where you um, could get yourself in a real tough spot. And we've heard some really, honestly, just horribly tragic stories from people um, that were right near retirement and they had everything in the market and then 2008 happened. So that's one thing. Keep the long term. Make sure you don't need that money for something, you know, in the next three years, let's say. And if you have credit card debt, I would take care of that. Before you invest, um, make sure that you've got that all settled and, you know, you're not carrying any balances because the interest that you're paying on that credit card debt is, there's no way you're going to make that up in the market. It just, it doesn't make sense. You're going to get, you're paying way more to the credit card companies than you are um, going to be making in the market. And just make sure you have an emergency fund. You know, these are just some basic things right. uh, that I talk about in that that foolish um, principles kind of chapter things that we all believe. And I just wanted to say one thing to you. You were talking about investing in people and how important that is. And that is something um, that I just, <laughs> I have to just double down on and really echo as being critical. Um, that's something Warren Buffett has always said, is that he only will invest money with people that he admires. Um, and he's very loyal to that. And he said even if he has to forego a couple percentage points profit to invest people that he likes and admires, that's a trade-off he's willing to make. And that's a huge statement from a guy like Warren Buffett. Um, and like you said, the, the media, the Internet, we have so many resources available now to learn about the people who are running our companies um, or running a company we're thinking about investing in that I, I just wanted to underscore that as a great a great point. Um, and it really does. I love the human side you know, of, of, of businesses and investing and and these companies aren't being run by robots. <laughs> so let's, right, right. Let's do the work you know, I, and figure mm-hmm. out if we like those people. 
Exactly. One of the things I, I love uh, about your story, Luann, is, is the story of, of starting early. And uh, my daughter mm-hmm. is 14, and she uh, uh, attended a camp this summer, and actually she went last summer as well, uh, called Wings to Fly. And it's one of the businesses mm-hmm. that the Executive or Girlfriends Group supports. It's actually a 501c3 charity. And this camp only has um, you know between 18 and 20 girls each summer. Uh, in each session, and uh, they give them on the very first day uh, a, an investment briefing about the camp itself. And, and they, oh, wow. every day, every single day, the things that they do actually raise the stock value of the camp up or down. And if they do oh, what they're supposed that. to do, yeah, it's amazing and uh, certainly worthy of, of writing about in a blog. But, uh, you know, what they're doing is uh, the girls are, are between 12 and 15, and the whole focus of the camp is to build lifelong self-esteem in girls. And they know that that financial pillar is every bit as important as feeling good about your body and understanding, you know, the outside pressures you're going to face. And and uh, they do a miraculous job of that. But this year, uh, my daughter uh, was very, very impressed by that that whole issue of investing. And, you know, I would love to see a book, and, and I'm planting a seed in you, of course. <laughs> I'd love to see a book about how to help, um, you know, young girls in particular, but, you know, certainly mm-hmm. teens, uh, really understand money. And last year, my, my daughter also, I had been teaching Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and, and we got her uh, to actually sit through the class and, and to take the class. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, my kids are both really, really into paying cash and, and being debt-free, <laughs> and uh, they don't quite understand the world of it, uh, investing, but it would be really great to have a super simple version uh uh, you know, maybe even of a book like this that gives those principles uh, in a way that is engaging for kids. So I, I oh, will yeah, leave you with that that's seed a great planted. Idea. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> like, like you have the time to write another book. But uh, Luann, I am so happy to have had you on the show. And uh, just, uh, I like I said, this weekend I, I need some time for myself. I've been uh, working like a fiend all week and uh, had a dear friend who actually died yesterday at age 47 from a heart attack. And so today oh, I'm, I'm just so I'm doing all kinds of just, you know, reflecting on what's important and reflecting on the long term and not letting yourself get bounced about by the waves, whether it's the waves of the stock market or the waves of your life. Uh, I think is a really, really important message to take away. And so, again, Luann's book is called Warren Buffett Invests Like a Girl and Why You Should Too. Her company is The Motley Fool. Luann, how can people find you? Well, they can. I'm always welcome to email me. It's just llofton at fool.com. Or um, I do have a Twitter account, which is just at Luann Lofton, at my name. Um, or Facebook or, you know, uh, my profile on y'all's site, which I'm Great. filling out today. Uh, good. Well, I'm so excited about that because the Executive Girlfriends Group site is an incredible resource. We have 700 type A, really oh, I love hugely it. successful executive women. 
And and while right now we you know we don't have a tremendous level of uh, engagement in in the call you know live because everybody's doing more with less these days, we're really going to mm-hmm. make a push this fall to get everybody reengaged. Uh, we used to have 20 or 30 people on the call every Friday, and uh, we did it at four o'clock. And and uh, I encourage people to grab a, a glass of wine and sit back and and just uh, transition from the person you have to be during the week to who you want to be on the weekend. Yeah. And uh, like I said, for me, this weekend, I want to have a glass of wine and sit and read Warren Buffett and Fest Like a Girl. (laughs) Oh, good. uh, Well, I hope you enjoy it and and learn lots. And, yeah, and I I hope everyone um, just, you know, the lesson really from the book is just that we all have it within us. As women, we're built to be great investors. Yeah, whether we're talking about the stock market, just investing in your own life and your growth and your development or a new company. and. Know that and own that and be proud of that. Uh, you know, I certainly am. And, and yeah, I, I love the story of your daughter. <laughs> That's fantastic as well. So thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time. And, oh, um, man, and it's so grateful for you taking the time. Well, thank you so much. Where, where do you live, Luann? I'm in New Orleans. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and great. Well, you still don't Florida, have that huh? southern accent, so uh, you're going to have to work on that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's too bad. <laughs> I don't know. Well, all right, my dear. Yet. Well, I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and uh, I look forward to further dialogue with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I hope you have a good weekend, too. Oh, I will, Luann. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For more information about the Executive Girlfriends Group, you can go to our public site, which is www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. And for our members, you can find uh, Luann Lofton's profile on the Executive Girlfriends Group private platform, and her contact information will be there. And it sounds like she's going to add some fun information uh, about herself, uh, and we look forward to uh, getting to know her better through the Executive Girlfriends Group. Thanks so much. And have a great weekend, everybody.